Welcome to the Advancing Surgical Care Podcast, brought to you by ASCA, the Ambulatory Surgery Center Association. ASCA represents the interests of outpatient surgery centers of every specialty and provides advocacy and resources to assist them in providing safe, high-quality, cost-effective patient care. As with all of ASCA's communications, please check to make sure you are listening to or viewing our most up-to-date podcasts and announcements. Hi, I'm Bill Prentice, and I'm ASCA CEO and the host of this episode. On this ASC podcast, I'm pleased to welcome back Kara Newberry, ASCA's Regulatory Counsel and Director of Government Affairs. And I've invited Kara on to the podcast today for our yearly opportunity to discuss the proposed 2024 Ambulatory Payment and Quality Reporting Rule that was released by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, last week on July 13th. CMS is required by law to issue a rule each year to establish reimbursement amounts, quality reporting requirements, and more for ambulatory surgery centers in the coming year. The rule also makes changes regarding the procedures that can be reimbursed in surgery centers. ASCA and other interested parties will now have until September 11th to submit comments to the proposed rule. And as is often the case, there are several proposals in the draft that demonstrate CMS is listening to our input. Regrettably, however, the draft falls well short both in terms of the proposed update factor and by missing a real opportunity to lower costs for both CMS and the patients that they provide care to. And Karen and I will talk more about that in a moment. But before we do, I want to mention the fact that the proposed rule that we're about to discuss runs 963 pages in length, so we won't have time to get into every detail. But as we complete our analysis and prepare our comments, we will, of course, continue to share information that we find in the rule with all of our members. And with that introduction, I'd like to welcome Kara Newberry back to the Advancing Surgical Care podcast. Hi, Kara. Hi, good to chat with you again, Bill. Yeah, it's uh, whether we like it or not, every year we have this opportunity to go through this rule, both in the proposed form and then obviously later in the year, we'll, we'll be able to talk about what gets finalized. But, but before we get to the proposal itself, I'd like you to tell the listeners about all the work that you and your team will now undertake before we respond to the rule by the September 11th comment deadline. Absolutely, Bill. And there are 60 days between when the proposed rule is released and when our comments are due. And during that time, we are pulling together resources. Uh, We're analyzing the rule, of course, and then determining with the Government Affairs Committee and the Board of Directors how we are going to comment on all of the major proposals. And they will both have, both of those groups will have uh, at least two, maybe three bites at the apple to review draft comments. And then we will also provide template letters for our members to comment on some of the uh, areas of most interest or concern uh, to the ASC community. And of course, we'll also be reaching out to the specialty groups such as uh, orthopedics, uh, ophthalmology, GI, uh, to see how we can work together. We've had a lot of success in the past getting some of those specialty organizations to weigh in on some of the um, policies that are of most interest to the ASC community. Yeah, and and that is a critically important element because obviously we don't want to just be our voice out there. We want to have obviously a chorus of voices asking for the the changes that we want either to improve the rule or to, you know, take some things out that we don't like. So, I appreciate all the hard work that you you and your folks are going to put in for the next few months as we try and, you know, land this rule by by the November 1 deadline. Let's get right into it, though. I know the payment update is probably the most important thing to our members. The thing they first want to know about is what kind of inflationary update are they going to receive for 2024? 
What does the proposed rule say about that, and and how did they arrive at at that number? Uh, Absolutely. So the effective update across all procedures for 2024 is proposed to be 2.8%. Of course, we all know that that can vary significantly um, by specialty and by individual procedures, but that 2.8% update is uh, proposed to be based again on the hospital market basket. So this was a small victory for ASCA. We had asked um, CMS to extend that five-year trial of using the hospital market basket to update ASCs, which is the same update factor that's used for hospital outpatient departments um, because we support the uh, full alignment of those two uh, payment systems Uh, And this is one aspect to that. So, of course, previously, prior to the five-year trial that we've been on, we were updated based on the consumer price index for all urban consumers. And that is the default if the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services does not set one or establish a new one. And so we are excited well, maybe excited is a little too strong, Bill, but we were happy to see that CMS did listen to our concerns about the lack of data, uh, in particular volume data, uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which was uh, some of the information that the uh, CMS was going to use to evaluate the impact of using this update factor and whether or not they should continue it moving forward. So they they have proposed to use the hospital market basket still in 2024 as well as 2025. Um, as I said, uh, as they continue to evaluate, you know, the impact of that policy on volume and what they're hoping to see is that um, volume is shifting to the ASC setting, which is, of course, uh, the more cost-effective site of service for Medicare beneficiaries and for the Medicare program overall. Which obviously is of great importance to us as uh, ASCs, as well as obviously to us as taxpayers, because obviously we can move uh, that volume. It's going to reduce the cost for the Medicare program overall. Um, I only wish that CMS were actually employing other things to try and and, and drive that volume shift um, because I think that there clearly are other things they could be doing to help us um, in, in that regard. But you mentioned earlier about the fact that the payment update varies from procedure to procedure. So it's not a simple 2.8% for every procedure. What can you tell us about um, the impact of our on our most common codes based upon the proposed rule? Absolutely. So um, as part of the analysis that ASCA performs uh, that I mentioned earlier, one thing we look at is the top 10 codes by volume. So of course, 66984, which is our cataract code, which is by far our highest volume code, uh, as well as some uh, GI codes and pain procedures really make up um, our top 10 procedures. And for those, the average update is actually um, slightly better. It's uh, approximately 5.5% instead of that 2.8%. And I think that this is important because those 10 codes alone make up more than 55% of our fee-for-service Medicare volume. That's that's very interesting, and that's obviously, I think, gratifying for a lot of our members who are performing lots of those procedures. So that leads me to my next question, and, and this is, you know, kind of interesting because, you know, perennially, we're, we're concerned about the impact of the weight scaler um, that, you know, we have, has penalized our setting when procedure volume shifts from the hospital setting into our, you know, less costly, more efficient ASC setting. Is there any update on that or cause for optimism about how this 
kind of arbitrary budget tool um, is being used because it is interesting that we, you know, we're getting that uptick, you know, on these, these common procedures, despite the weight scaler. Uh, what, what do you have to say about that? Oh, I could say a lot about the weight scaler, Bill, but for the purposes of this call, I will say that, you know, there's actually a slight improvement in the weight scaler for, proposed for 2024 over 2023, which is a good thing. So it's a, a less of a reduction to our weights that CMS would apply. Of course, you know, we still have serious concerns with uh, applying an ASC specific weight scaler, as we were talking about earlier in the call. We believe there should be better alignment between the hospital outpatient perspective payment system and the ASC payment system, and that really only one weight scaler should be applied across both of those payment systems at the same time. Yeah, it's it's slightly better. We'll see what happens in the in the final rule, of course, Bill. Um, but that could, you know, be somewhat why uh, you know there's a slightly better update for some of our highest volume codes. Who knows? I will say that in the past, ASCA as well as some of um, the other organizations uh, with which we work have asked CMS to provide greater transparency into the uh, effect of the weight scaler on ASC payments. Uh, CMS has not yet um, done that for us, but um, so it's, it's not the easiest thing to try to um, discern um, how the weight scaler um, is really impacting all of the individual codes. But uh, overall, I will say that it was slightly better. So we're, um, we're optimistic that uh, that will stay the same between the proposed and final rule. That, that's great. I mean, and again, I think it, it is a bit mystifying how the weight scaler works, and I think we're seeing that in uh, in, in this proposed rule. And and uh, but we know that you know overall it is a you know have a, has a devastating impact on ASC payments um, that that needs to be addressed, or, or really, we're, you know, ASCs are going to have a real hard time continuing to provide the level of care they do. Uh, to Medicare beneficiaries. So, Kara, we're going to take a short break to hear a message from our podcast sponsor. So stand by and we'll be right back. This episode of the Advancing Surgical Care podcast is brought to you by MSurge, a national leader in the strategic and operational management of ambulatory surgery centers. MSurge partners with more than 2,000 physicians and health systems and more than 250 ASCs operating in 34 states. Learn more by visiting msurge.com. Kara, before we paused our conversation, we were discussing the proposed rate update. Let's move on to the proposed changes to the ASC covered procedures list. While both the process and proposed changes that emerged from CMS continue to be a source of some small victories, um, and you'll talk about that, they are a much greater source of frustration and disappointment. Can you give us the highlights and lowlights uh, regarding procedures in this proposed rule? Sure, and and definitely more probably um, lowlights than highlights, unfortunately, and really just a lack of transparency in this rule. So ASCA had submitted, um, well, first you and I and some of our um, clinical, you know, colleagues at some ASCA member facilities had met with CMS to address um, the procedure list in particular and CMS's use of uh, the typical Medicare beneficiary to determine whether or not a procedure should be added. Um, In addition to that, um, as follow-up, I submitted 63 procedures that our facilities have indicated are safe to be performed on Medicare beneficiaries and that we would like to see added to the ASC cover procedure list. 
Of course, um, you know, top of mind is total shoulder. That's the one that always gets the most requests in the past two or three years. Unfortunately, there was only one of those 63 procedures that CMS has proposed to add to the ASC covered procedure list for 2024, and it is a dental code. So as part of a larger um, move to add dental procedures, to the outpatient space, you know, over 200 were added to the hospital outpatient department um, list of procedures they can perform. And then, uh, you know, 26 uh, dental surgery codes were added to the ASC cover procedure list. Um, but that was it, only dental codes. And I will say, you know, we are happy to some extent because we've been working with the national dental groups on this. Um, however, I have... Uh, meeting set up this week to discuss with those dental groups because there are serious concerns about really how this is being applied even and if um, really the wording in the rule is going to hamper our ability to do even the codes that have been added um, on the dental side. And then, like I said, outside of um, dental, there were no procedures added. There was not even a discussion of the codes that we had requested, including total shoulder um, in fact, uh, you may recall, if you've heard me speak about the rule in the past two years, that there is a nomination process that is set to go into effect um, in 2024 for 2025 consideration where um, stakeholders can submit procedures through an online portal that CMS is supposed to have established by uh, March 1st of 2024. And there was not one mention of that new process in this rule, even though it goes into effect, um, you know, January 1st and the deadline for submissions will be March 1st of 2024. So um, in addition to the lack of, you know, procedures that are being proposed for addition, my bigger concern is the lack of transparency in this rule and just really not a lot of guidance in terms of what is going to move the needle and how CMS is, um, you know, going to be swayed to add procedures in the future. Um, and since I'm on this soapbox, I'm just going to add really quickly that, you know, we've obviously had two other total joint replacement codes added to our list in the past few years, total knee and total hip arthroplasty. And in 2021, ASCs performed more than 20,000 total knee on uh, Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries and over 9,000 total hip arthroplasties. So I think that we could uh, both agree that that's been a resounding success. And it's just really mind-boggling that CMS hasn't, you know, taken that next step to add total shoulder. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it is just dismaying that um, they are, you know, not adding procedures to our list. And, you know, you touched on a, a couple of things that I, I think are real source point, sore points for us regarding this rule. One is that nomination process, which is something we've been asking for for a long time, to create a more transparent process to not only you know be able to apply or, or propose procedures to CMS, but then to get good information back from them, you know where they think we've fallen short in terms of providing cl clinical evidence that that procedure is appropriate on even the healthiest Medicare beneficiary. And then the other thing you touched on that is uh, also a big source of frustration for me is that use of that term typical Medicare beneficiary, um, which has popped up in the last few rules 
um, and and which is this kind of arbitrary standard that they are now trying to apply when determining what procedures can be added to our list. And, you know, in particular, the fact that even off-campus hospital outpatient departments can perform everything on the HOPD list, but not even the healthiest Medicare beneficiary uh, for some of those procedures that are still trapped in the HOPD setting can be seen in our space just is mystifying and makes no sense. So that's something we're really going to, I think, probably hammer on in our in our comments and, and hopefully other groups will do so as well. Anything else about the procedures that, that you, you want to mention before we move on? I think let's, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's only making us yes, angrier. Making it, yes. uh, uh, well, let's, let's talk about the proposed changes to the ASC quality reporting program. Uh, I know that CMS is proposing a new reporting requirement, bringing back a prior measure, making a modification to an existing measure, and sticking with a pandemic error reporting measure that we believe uh, needs to be phased out. Why don't you run through those one at a time, starting with ASC 7, uh, about the reporting of ASC volume data? Sure. So um, for those who have been around the industry for a while, you know that we used to report um, ASC 7 facility volume data on selected ASC surgical procedures. And CMS is bringing that back uh, for a voluntary reporting period in 2025 with the mandate beginning in 2026. And it would require reporting of the top five procedures in eight different um, areas that CMS has identified. But basically every year CMS is going to look at what they believe to be the top five procedures in those um, various areas. Um, And uh, you're going to have to report not only on Medicare volume, but all um, payer volume for those procedures. So, you know, that's one to watch. And um, like we talked about earlier, the Government Affairs Committee at ASCA Um, is meeting shortly to discuss how uh, the organization will respond to some of these proposals. So um, more to come on, you know, uh, any concerns or questions that uh, we'll have that we'll be raising. And we will, like I said, provide template letters for our facilities if they would like to echo some of our remarks. Um, So that that was the first one. Uh, You want to talk about the new measure next? Please, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Okay, so um, probably all heard the sigh in my voice. So CMS is proposing ASC 21, which is a risk standardized patient reported outcome based performance measure following uh, elective primary total hip arthroplasty and or total knee arthroplasty in the ASC setting. You know, even though we haven't met with the GA committee or the board yet, I can tell you that. Um, there are serious concerns with this measure and reservations that we've already heard um, from many of our facilities. So this measure would require the facility to collect um, data and information from the patient uh, between 90 and zero days prior to the surgery, so pre-op, as well as post-op between 300 and 425 days after the surgery. <laughs> so, um, and, and, and Carol, let me stop you right there. How does CMS expect our facilities to do that? Probably one of the major concerns and, and questions that we are going to raise in our comments, Bill. But yes, this is going to be an extremely burdensome 
measure. And while we understand, as I just uh, mentioned earlier, there is significant volume uh, for these procedures, and we want to make sure that facilities are um, you know, providing high-quality care, there are probably other uh, ways to go about this that aren't as um, burdensome on the facility, um, especially in ASC, which you know, doesn't always have, obviously, that post-up follow-up for uh, over a year after the procedure is performed. So um, if anybody wants to you know, shoot me some more information or um, has concerns they would like to raise with this as well, please feel free to reach out. But we do have a fairly good group of you know, clinicians and others with whom we work who provide input as well. And yes, I, I know that we will be raising um, serious you know, reservations about this measure. That's uh, mind-boggling sometimes, some of the things we have to contend and with. And yet we can't do total shoulder. It's like they want all this right. information about knee and hip. Maybe, maybe they're waiting you know, the five or six years until they get more information on that before they consider total shoulder. Who knows? Right. Okay. Well, let's turn to this... Uh, uh, this lingering pandemic error reporting measure um, that that also angers you. Uh, what's going on with that? Yes, unfortunately, uh, we knew this was coming, but ASC 20, the COVID-19 vaccination coverage among healthcare personnel measure is set to remain in the ASC quality reporting program. Uh, we knew it was coming because it is in other quality reporting programs and the inpatient rule is always released earlier in the year than our rule, and we had seen this measure remain in that as well. Um, ASCA has been opposed to this measure since its inception. We will continue, I'm, I'm guessing, to oppose that in, you know, in this rule and in the future. Absent that, I will tell you that some other organizations in response to the inpatient rule suggested at the very least that CMS should um, reduce the reporting requirement down to one time per year, as was done, remember, when we had the flu vaccine uh, reporting requirement. And so, you know, that'll be something for us to discuss with the board and the Government Affairs Committee. Do we want that as, you know, at least better than what we have now, which is data collection for one week per month and those four, those quarterly reporting deadlines by which you have to have entered that data. So um, something that we'll be discussing more, so more to come on that. Great. A lot of work there. And, and again, a lot of frustration for you. Um, you know, one other thing that, uh, you know, we should probably mention is we're a year out from the uh, implementation of the OSCAPS uh, measure. Uh, probably a good idea to remind our members about that so that they don't wait to the last minute to, to, to prepare for that. Absolutely. And uh, so I hope everyone knows that beginning in 2025, it will be mandatory and um, it will be mandatory for hospital outpatient departments in 2024. And there's no sign that that's going to change. So I can't imagine that CMS would put it into place for hospital outpatient departments next year and delay our implementation any further than 2025. They had already given us, you know, that extra year. So I know some folks have been kind of waiting around and or hoping for an extension or delay. Um, the time has, has come. It's, you know, it's now, it's here. Uh, so please do start looking into some of the vendors that are available. Um, ASCA has uh, a discount that we have negotiated with Press Ganey. Um, if folks reach out to me individually, I can 
um, you know, give you more information about uh, Prescani as well as some of the other vendors if you're interested. But yeah, there's no sign that this is, is slowing down. So please make sure that you are, are looking into this. There are only 15 approved vendors and really only a handful that have been responsive to ASCA's requests for information. And there are 6,100 Medicare certified ambulatory surgery centers in this country. And so that's going to be a lot of facilities reaching out to only a handful of vendors and trying to get up and running in you know, just over a year. And, and for the benefit of anyone out there who truly hasn't been paying attention, OSCAPS is essentially a you know, patient satisfaction survey on steroids um, that, um, that you're going to be you know, required to, to, to be com- um, completing with, a, is it 300 um, surveys? It, yeah, it's a patient experience survey. You'll have to have 200 completed surveys for now, but still, still uh, quite, you know, and you have to work through a third-party vendor uh, you can't just, you know, hand out the surveys yourself. So, and and, uh, and I, you know, knowing uh, that some of our uh, ASCs have already actually started this process and and contracted with a vendor um, and have been doing this, um, they have uh, reported back that it, it really takes some time to get this right and to make sure that, you know, not only do you have your vendor, you know, the relationship with your vendor right, but also in terms of the results that they're getting. It takes some time and energy to make sure that you're getting the scores that, you know, that you deserve. So, um, again, people shouldn't sit on their hands and should definitely get, um, get cracking on that. Well, Kara, um, I think that we've covered the major points in the proposal. And as promised earlier, you know, ASCA members can look forward to more analysis and comment from, from you in the weeks ahead. And certainly uh, for a very robust comment letter from ASCA about uh, about all the things that you know we have concerns about in the proposal um, that we'll be submitting before the September deadline. I want to thank you and the rest of your government affairs team for the, the quick review that you do of this very expansive proposal and all the work that you know you mentioned you'll be conducting between now and you know certainly when the rule is finalized in November on our members' behalf. So thank you for that. So once again, if anyone listening has additional questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us or to visit the ASCA website where more details on these and other important regulatory and legislative issues can be found. Finally, before closing, I would once again like to thank our podcast sponsor, AmSurge, a leading ASC management company with more than 250 ASC partners in 34 states. To learn more about them, visit AmSurge.com.